1: Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get
0: a, oh yeah. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to episode 63 of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we inspire motivate, and educate business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Eric Littman. Eric is a number one New York Times bestselling author of the original four Pete the Cat books, The Nuts, and Groovy Joe. He is a creative entrepreneur who brings literacy and music together. As a recovering teacher... Eric's mission is to shift how early literacy is approached by bringing more music and interactivity into instruction. Oh, yeah. And he plays for us. All right, let's dig in. All right, Eric, can I get an oh, yeah?
2: Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. I think that oh, yeah, is going to be tough to beat to my my future guests, just so you know. You have set the bar extremely high.
2: <laughs> I love saying no, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I am especially excited about talking with you today. And I know uh, folks are going to look at the title of this episode and they're going to say, what in the world does Pete the Cat have to do with? Business ownership and entrepreneurship, and I'll tell my quick story before I introduce um, uh, Eric. Um, but uh, so I was sitting down reading a story to my my son. He he loves Pete the Cat, and so we're we're reading about Pete the Cat and how he's he loves his white shoes and he's walking down the the street, and then all of a sudden he steps in a puddle of of mud, and now his his new white shoes are all muddy. And the the book goes on to say, does Pete cry? And it says, "Goodness no, He just keeps on walking and singing his song. I love my brown shoes, I love my brown shoes." And then he proceeds to go and he steps in a puddle of of, of strawberries and then blueberries, I believe it is. Uh, but the point of of the story was, no matter what happened to Pete's shoes, he continued to 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 move on and to sing his song and to go on on his mission um, and I saw and I thought that that was a really cool. Um, concept for business owners, entrepreneurs to, to understand because entrepreneurship takes perseverance. You can't give up easily. You're going to have this bright, shiny idea, and you, you may step on in a puddle of mud. Um, and how you respond to that is going uh, to determine your level of success. So Eric is a song singing, guitar strumming, number one New York Times bestselling author, who brings early literacy and music together? He is the original author of Pete the Cat, the Pete the Cat series, as well as the author of The Nuts and Groovy Joe. Eric's books have sold over 8.5 million copies, been translated into 13 languages, and has won 18 literacy awards, including a Theodore Gazelle Seuss Honor Award. Eric, welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Elsie. I'm really happy to be here. I, uh, I love talking about perseverance, optimism, and I actually really love talking about entrepreneurialism as well because people may not realize this, but I am also an entrepreneur and I consider myself a creative entrepreneur.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now... One of the things that I love to do, Eric, on the show is to ask people um, to tell uh, us about themselves, but I have a caveat to that. I want to know about you, but I want you to go as far back to the day you were born where you can start more present day. Tell us about yourself.
2: Well, you know, I want to start with um, when I became an entrepreneur and why, and I want to talk about... um, so when I'm a student, years ago in elementary school, and middle school, I had what was called learning disabilities. But since I've been successful in everything I've tried since leaving school, I like to joke that maybe my school had teaching teacher. And I had students in my class, and this was a third, fourth, and fifth grade uh, classroom, mixed ages. And I had students that didn't with them. And one day, I passed a kindergarten classroom. I heard the teacher say, who wants to read a book? And the kids went crazy. Maybe you've seen this with your own child, the enthusiasm, the joy. One little girl, I remember so clearly, she grabbed her book and she was holding it like a baby. Then I went to my third grade class. I asked, who wants to read a book? And you know what? That enthusiasm was gone. Some of them said nothing. A few said sure, and a few of them looked at me and shook their head and said no. And at that moment, I asked a question that would change my career and actually lead me to become an entrepreneur. The question was this, what happened between kindergarten and third grade that so many of my students didn't love books and reading? And I began formulating these ideas and they would lead to the concepts, the method of writing that would go into the original four Pete the Cat books, the ones that I wrote, as well as The Nut Family and
0: Groovy Joe. You, you mentioned before that um, obviously part of your passion and what you like to do is teaching. But um, when you're not out uh, singing, writing songs and, and kind of doing your thing, what do you enjoy to do for, uh, for fun?
2: Well, I love uh, good coffee and food. Um, I love walking. I love architecture and looking at buildings. I also love reading. I enjoy playing chess. I enjoy spending time with, you know, family and friends. Um, so those are, those are some of the things I really enjoy.
0: Gotcha. Now, what, what would you say would be the, the number one thing that you do the best? Like your absolute superpower?
2: My superpower is creative thought. I am someone that is able to see beyond the paradigms that we are given. I am someone that doesn't necessarily accept the status quo. And not with any type of, um, well, I would say I don't necessarily reject things. I don't necessarily accept things. I just kind of look at things afresh. I look at situations and go, well, why do we do it that way? Um, and many times there are very good reasons why we do things a certain way. But many times those reasons have long since expired or maybe they were never good in the first place. So I'm someone who's able to look at situations, look at them creatively, create things creatively, and I, that's really helped me write songs and stories, but it's also helped me view things differently. And Elsie, I think it's important to understand that my books, I'm so happy about the commercial success of my books, but there's a real function behind them, which is to model a set of ideas on how to approach early literacy. I would like to approach early literacy in a way that is different than we are currently doing it. And the best way to make those changes and paradigms is to actually model. What it is you're talking about. And that's the purpose of my books. Not only are they for children to read and enjoy, but also to move towards a shift in how we approach early literacy.
0: Are you able to share a little bit more detail around that? I know you mentioned your, um, your goal or your mission is to shift the way that we uh, approach our early literacy. What, um, what is that, that difference?
2: Right. Down in words out. And this is traditionally how we go about trying to help children learn to read. What I feel is that it doesn't make sense to singularly focus on those two things. We should have many ways that children can successfully read a book. So we're going to keep phonics and sight words. They're good things. But we're also going to add music and movement and call and response and repetition. And by adding all of these things to a book, the child, in essence, unconsciously, just self-selects this combination of variables that helps them read the book. They read it successfully. And consequently, they feel joy and a sense of empowerment. And this is what I'm interested in. Too many students, when they try to read books, pretty much relying on sight words and phonetics, for many of them, Maybe they're not good, I don't know, visual learners. Maybe English is a second language. Maybe uh, they haven't had a language rich environment at home. Maybe they have apraxia. Maybe they have dyslexia. Who knows? But for so many students, the traditional approach to early literacy results in frustration and no feelings of joy. And that's what I think happened to those students I'm talking about in third, fourth, and fifth grade. What I want to see. Is let's give them lots of ways to succeed in reading. And consequently, they're going to read all the time. And it's my belief, and it's supported by research, that the single greatest way to improve reading skills is actually reading.
0: <laughs> Imagine that. It's practice
2: and immersion, you know? And I know that as a musician. The best way for me to get better at the guitar is to play. So, I want children feeling good about books, good about themselves as readers. And to do that, I want to add what I I call it a multi learning approach. And that's really my primary motivation in, in all these things. You know, I've, I think I've sold probably close to 10 million books at this point. Um, and, uh, but my motivation is not the number of books I can sell. Um, my motivation is, How can I influence and change the experience of the young reader learning to read? And how can I influence and change the policies that we have, educational policies, so that we move towards a more inclusive approach to early literacy? And, you know, Elsie, I would say that in many ways, like when you talk about entrepreneurship, a lot of it is breaking old ideas and and bringing in new ones. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same. I'm doing the exact same thing. And I'm doing it both with ideas, but also the way I've approached it have been, I've done things and my books, as you know, because you've read them, they approach early literacy completely differently. There's no other books out there that have uh, songs as the that are interwoven into the repetitive parts and this much rhyme scheme and this much repetition. My books are more interactive. So I, I really strongly believe in the introduction of new ideas that you're passionate about and have seen uh, the benefits of.
0: Now you mentioned before the best way to get better at something or to improve is to do it, and then you brought up your guitar, and I noticed that you you you, you have your guitar. We're we're doing this uh this this podcast via Skype, so. Are you able to 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 give us a little bit of, of, of that uh, that that guitar, or are you are you bashful today?
2: I can show you uh, some of the things I like to do um, that I think make my books really unique, make them stand out. Uh, my new book—I'll give you an example because that's what I'm most focused on right now. This is going to come out September 3rd. Let's see—it's called Groovy Joe Dance Party Countdown. Ah. And in this book, I have a song that I wrote for it. In the book, he's going to sing uh disco party, wow, wow. Disco party, wow, wow. Disco party, wow, wow. Now, I'll take that, and that will become the song that is repeated in the book, and every time he's uh, having some fun, they're doing things, and He's, he's just having a great time and he sings that song, disco party bow wow, disco party bow wow. More and more dogs are going to show up. And I put it in the form of a knock knock joke knock knock, who's there? Two, two, who? Two more dogs are going to disco with you. So you see, you are doubling every time. Next time will be four, eight dogs. Oh no. So the idea here is to take music and incorporate it into the book. But then I wrote a line disco dance out of the same basic musical structure and created a dance that goes with the book. So people can go to uh, groovyjoestories.scholastic.com and they can download both the story and they can download the song. So the song, the disco song, is like this. One, one. All in the room and one one in disco party. Disco party. Now the next one is two. with each number with one you jump once with two you jump twice. So this song has jumping, disco moves all sorts of fun and uh, that's part of the uh, fun that goes with the book.
0: Wow, that is super, super cool. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We'll take a quick break. And then when we get back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, creative entrepreneurship and um, what that means to you and kind of what you're doing in those um, in those areas. So we'll be back in just a minute
1: stuck or overwhelmed in your business? Having trouble putting ideas into action? Not getting the results you want? Your business is in need of a coach, an experienced professional that motivates, provides honest feedback and helps develop an action plan for your success. Did you know that 50% of businesses fail within the first five years? This doesn't have to be your business. You can now get all the help you need to succeed. Just visit Enterprise Now at enterprise-now.biz. Enterprise Now is a business development firm that specializes in providing business training, seminars, online training courses, and business coaching for business owners and entrepreneurs. That's enterprise-now.biz. Why wait? Take your business to the next level. We'll take your vision and your goals and deliver accountability motivation and an action plan so you and your business will succeed don't become a statistic visit us at enterprise-now.biz increase profits grow your business and improve your business skills today enterprise-now.biz
0: early literacy is vital for the growth and development of children children who learn to read at an early age are more likely to continue to read as they grow into adulthood. Eric Litwin is on a mission to shift how early literacy is approached by bringing music and interactivity into instruction. For the enterprisers, Eric is giving away a signed copy of his newest book, Groovy Joe, Dance Party Countdown. Simply follow the link in the show notes and enter to win. Be sure to enter before midnight on Monday, October 2nd. Welcome back to the Enterprise Now podcast. I have with me Eric Litwin. He is a creative entrepreneur and all that other good stuff that I told you at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and he's actually giving us a little bit of uh, a sample from his, his new book coming out, uh, September
2: 12th, Groovy Joe Dance Party Countdown. But the song is called Disco Party Bow Wow.
0: Let's switch gears a little bit and, and talk about creative entrepreneurship. Um, and I'll just leave it wide open. Um, you can take it wherever, wherever you like. I'd just like to um, to hear kind of where where you're operating in that in that area. Well,
2: let's let's uh, you know, you have uh, listeners who are going to be entrepreneurs in many different fields, but many of them want to use their creativity, uh, things like their artistic sense um, or other creative things that they feel um, are important and and define who they are to a certain degree. Uh, For me, I was a writer, a musician, and the question becomes, how do you make a living doing your artistic passion? And uh, this is something that I am very happy to talk about with people, and I have, my own life, have done this. Um, Not only did I write books, which have sold millions. And I'm also a successful performer. I do three to 400 performances a year all over the country. And so the question of um, how you turn your creativity into a career, I think is something that's very important to a lot of people. And I'd be happy to discuss that because, uh, you know, for many, this is a a driving passion. So, I think the first thing, Elsie, is that you have to understand what services versus what products you're creating. Most creative people immediately start thinking about services. A service, for example, for me, would be giving a show or teaching a course. These are services. And services are fine, but there are limitations to services. You are only one person. You can't be everywhere all the time. You run out of time. So there's a much more exciting thing, which is the combination of service with products. Products are very important to creatives, in my opinion, because products enabled you to go places you could have never been. Right now, as I'm talking to you, my books are in stores across the world. My stories are being read in classrooms and libraries all over the country and world. I can't be in all these places. I can be with you, and that's wonderful, but I can't be here in other places. Products enable you to reach beyond yourself, and whereas your own time generally has limitations, there are ways to increase the amount of money you make with services that we can definitely discuss as well. But fee-for-service has limitations. Products have a much bigger scope. And as creatives, you often have the ability to create products, but it's not easy. And you have to really be willing to put in time um, do what I call low-cost experimentation. Creating products is a whole nother world. And I worked on it for 10 years before I had a product that really went big. But I would like to say that you can create smaller products where you make say $3,000 from this product and $5,000 from that product. And a lot of creative entrepreneurs, myself included for a long time, would have streams of income coming from many different places. I encourage products. To be one of those places. And then eventually your hope is to have a big hit, like I did, where, you know, my books hit the bestseller list. And at one point I had the number one, number two, and number three best-selling book and picture books in the country for one
0: week. So I'm I'm a little curious about some of the you mentioned creating products um, as creative entrepreneurs, which makes sense in principle, but can you give us some more practical examples of what a product might look like. And uh, the second part of that question is, talk a little bit about the low-cost experimentation.
2: A product can look like many things, and we're living in a world now where everything is changing rapidly. So, for example, as a musician, a product may have been considered a CD. But right now, many people are transitioning from CDs to... Well, it was downloads, and now it's streaming services, and even YouTube music services. What this means is music as a product is changing rapidly. So you have to conceptualize different ways to use what you have in product creation. Now, I love music. And I have many CDs, and I sell a lot of CDs, but not nearly as many books as I sell. But I was able to blend music in. It's not just doing what you love. It's the meeting of what you love with the reality of a product that can be created, then with the reality of the market. And all of these variables have to come together. There are also products that are not physical. Like there are many people developing high volume websites. Those are, I don't know what to call them, but they're, they're not exactly products. But they're not exactly services. And these folks are using this means to um, oftentimes, um, they might be selling products from them. Or they might have advertising, they're able to monetize. And the thing is, is that everything you love and want to share with people, you have to make money doing it to a certain degree. Not totally. I do a lot of things for free. On my website, thelearninggroup.com, we have 120 songs for free for people to stream, and we have sheet music and academic and school suggestions not everything has to be sold but you have to make a living and you have to support yourself and it's a beautiful thing when you're creating products that help people that support your mission what you're what you really care about and the creation of these products you know i there's no easy answer to this in exclusivity i mean you could say obviously a book is a concrete product but it's really become unique because people are now creating books that also have interactive components online like my own there are also um books that now are interwoven with say instead of marketing towards a whole general population, they're gearing towards a level of experts in their field. Uh, oftentimes these folks books as a product could also be an unbelievable marketing tool if they establish your expertise and your knowledge base. So, you know, it's it's wonderfully
0: complicated. One question that I have for you. Um, one thing that you said that is a is a good insight, I think, especially for creative, right? Uh, because you said that meeting what you love with the reality of the market. Talk to that a little bit. Like, how, how do you get to that place where, um, again, you're creative, you love music or you love singing or dancing or, or whatever the case is. But then there's that there's the reality of the market, as you mentioned. Music isn't as it isn't what it used to be in terms of people aren't going to the store. I was walking through uh, Walmart the other day and there was literally one rack of you know a handful of artists that are now the, the, the end cap artists that they're uh, displaying. So music has changed. How do you, as a creative, one recognize that and two embrace that? Like, how, what what's the mindset that you that you have to have?
2: Okay, so there's so much to this that is really at the core of creative entrepreneurialism. Number one, I want to talk about the embracing of it, but I also want to lead this into what I call creative low cost experimentation. Okay. Uh, okay. The embracing of it is. Entrepreneurialism is a beautiful concept because when you are successful, you make money and you buy things and it helps the economy. We all do better when we all do better. That's from Minnesota. Uh, Wellstone used to say that it is good for people to be successful. And there are many creatives who somehow feel negative about it entrepreneurialism and about markets and i would highly encourage them to really spend some time with that because it's important to be creating things and doing things that you love so much that you just you just want others to have these products if they don't buy it you're going to give it to them you know you you want this in the world and the world is better for you Doing this. So you're successful the more you help people. This means we have to get beyond our negativity around money. Now, money has some negative things. It can cause people to change. Greed is a, it's a powerful and it can be a very negative force in the world. And, you know, that is, those things are, I don't mean to be Pollyanna about it, but there are positives to entrepreneurialism and to material, to success, business success. The more books I sell, the more I am getting my ideas of a multi-learning approach for early literacy into the world. So I would encourage people who are entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs, to embrace a very positive view of success. And to realize it helps other people. Now, with this in mind, we also have to get beyond creativity as solely a form of individual expression. That is a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. But we also can use our creativity as a form of service. I take my abilities. I'm a, a musician. I'm a, uh, a poet. I love language I love music but I utilize this as a means of helping children learn how to read this doesn't mean that I also I still write things that express my own personal views of the world and my feelings I just nobody wants to buy them and that's okay uh that's fine you know and when I was younger I did attempt a form of creativity that was personal expression. And I think a lot of artists have done that beautifully, like Bob Dylan and so many other wonderful musicians who share their own expression and that has values to others. And that's wonderful. But that's not what I've done. I've used my creativity as a form of service to others. And I've blended my expertise in early literacy with my you know, passion and knowledge for music and movement. And I've achieved a certain degree of success. And my success helps promote these ideas that benefit emerging readers. Now, here's the thing that you asked about. A lot of, there's so many mistakes when I meet entrepreneurs. That's why I, I just love this stuff. And I meet entrepreneurs. Some of the mistakes I see are, they seem to have a negative perspective of success. They may not understand the ceiling that comes with fee for service without the moving into products or other forms of reaching people. But in addition, they don't understand that the market does not work on a linear, rational basis. The market it is both linear and nonlinear. You could have the best idea in the world and the market may not want it. And it doesn't mean that your idea isn't wonderful. It doesn't mean that. It just means it's not a go. And this is why it's so important to test your ideas and not throw all your money and all your resources into an idea based on how wonderful that idea is. That's what I call low-cost experimentation. Now, in a low-cost way, Get it out into the world and watch what happens. The market will talk to you. It is not shy. It does not pull punches. It will tell you exactly what you need to know. And basically, I believe as a creative entrepreneur, you have to create something where the market just goes, Oh yeah. Like we started with that. Oh yeah. You know, if the market says, Oh, this is nice move on or adapt I have a lot of ideas and I put them out into the world sometimes in the form of a product sometimes in the form of a service or a social media campaign some of my ideas have reached millions and millions of people and now actually 19 to 20 different languages and some of my ideas go nowhere I begin with low-cost experimentation I watch the market I listen to the market and I listen to it without taking it personally. I don't I'm not hurt if one of my brilliant ideas is rejected, <laughs> but I just move on. And a lot of the mistakes I see new entrepreneurs make is they put everything into one idea that they haven't tested. And it, and and that breaks my heart to see that. And I see it over and over again.
0: So, if you had to give um, just a really brief example of what a test might look like, so you have an idea, how might a low cost test what what might that look like?
2: It looks like many different things. Um, my friend and I, Michael Levine, uh, who created the learning group with me, have a new CD coming out called Classical for Kiddos. It is a wonderful idea. We're taking classical music. And we're adding words and music to it. Let me give you an example of how unique and interesting this idea is. Let's see. Here we go. Well, I'll just play a few seconds of it, like 30 seconds or so. Okay, let's try that again. Spring is in the air. Spring is in the air. Love is everywhere. Love is everywhere. I see flowers. Okay, so you can hear that's Vivaldi. Uh, We have lots of different classical pieces. We've made it interactive. We've added cool drum beats. It's a good idea, but just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it's going to work. Now, we've put time into this. Low-cost experimentation in this case is Michael and I wrote the content, wrote the adaptations, played most of the instruments, We were able to license some of the classical stuff for a reasonable fee. We are going to put three to five thousand dollars into this idea. There's a very good chance we're going to sell three to five thousand dollars worth of CDs just because we're pretty well known. We'll probably get that much money back. We put a lot of time into it. That is what I would call low cost experimentation. Anything around $3,000 or less, sure, it would be hard if it doesn't go anywhere, if it doesn't work, but we have no way of knowing. Let's say we put this out there and the market just goes a little bit crazy, then we might start investing, I don't know, $10,000 in getting out there at educational conferences, maybe Some additional time spent trying to work with distributors. So this is a way we have created a CD mostly with our time. Now, time is valuable, but we feel this has something of value. So we've given a lot of our time to this. Money-wise, we haven't had to put a lot of money into it because we created almost everything ourselves. And we're going to market it on social media we're going to see what happens. Hopefully we have a big hit, but I don't know. You know, uh, so that's one idea of a low cost experimentation and the use of social media, uh, the ability to do a lot of things yourself. When if you go to my website, ericlitwin.com, I, you know, I built that website. When you hear the music, I created that music with my friend Michael. We can play most of the instruments. We do the mixing. We started to do the mastering. We're able to create products at very reasonable costs. And the thing is, when you don't have a lot of money to spend on things, you get more creative. And you focus on what really matters. So even now that I have more money, because I have experienced a certain degree of success, I still utilize a low-cost experimentation concept. I have too many friends I've seen too many people come up with a brilliant idea put fifty to a hundred thousand dollars into it two years of their life. It fails, they're out the money. they're so broken hearted and I want to tell people, don't do that. spend a year that's fine, even two years. Give up your time, spend a few thousand dollars you it, there's no such thing as free, but that's it. And then watch the market, and it will let you know. And if it doesn't work, just like what you were saying with the book, it, it, you're going to step in strawberries and blueberries and mud. It's going to happen. It's part of being an entrepreneur. You get kicked to the curb all the time. It's just welcome to being an entrepreneur. And just because you've made it doesn't mean you're going to make it the next time. Just because I have three number one best-selling children's books doesn't mean my next book is going to be a number one best-selling book. You always have to reprove yourself, and this is the life you're choosing. I I love it, but it's not easy. And uh, so these are some of the things. Stay optimistic, low-cost experimentation. Understand the importance of knowing both service, fee-for-service, and product development. Be able to adapt, have a positive attitude about the market, have a positive attitude about success. Keep rocking, keep going.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I think you pretty much answered all the questions that I was going to ask. You gave tons of, of actionable uh, steps and uh, concepts and principles that uh, entrepreneurs can use. We, we talked about the um, uh, low cost experimentation. We talked about niching. We talked about a lot of good stuff. So I guess to lead us to the end of, of our conversation here, um, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Get out there. Um, And also give people um, a a way to reach out to you if they want to ask questions or follow-ups or connect with you.
2: I would just like to add one more thing to the conversation, and then I'll give some ways to contact me and learn more about my products and services. The only other thing that I think is really important to entrepreneurs right now is we are entering into a world of niche expertise. This is an area where you are as good as it gets. And you have other people who understand this who really support you. And I think as the Internet develops, you're seeing less and less of general success stories and more and more of niche success stories. That's definitely been the case for me. I am an absolute expert on early literacy and especially new paradigms in progressive early literacy ideas that I know very well. And people who love that topic, teachers, librarians, and teachers who love this, they know who I am. And it is through them that I reach the general public. I think that that is something to really think about. For those who are interested in what I am doing, if you are interested in early literacy, if you are interested in new progressive paradigms of early literacy, if you're interested in my products or my performance services, You know, come and visit me at my website, ericlitwin.com. Join me on social media. I'm usually under the name Eric Litwin Books. We live in an interactive world. So sign up, say hello, and I will be, I create videos. I create, I do things like this, podcasts. I write articles and I'm trying to spread the word. Stay positive. Let's change the way we approach early literacy. And I would say that's really everything
0: I have to say. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Eric. I know. Uh, let me see. Let me count here. I have one, two. I have four pages of notes and I actually have a lot of homework to do because I'm going to dig into some of these concepts and, and try to beef up my uh, awareness of the market and that type of thing. Um, and, and what you're saying is dead on in terms of niche uh, uh, expertise and how the Internet uh, has created that environment where Um, if you, uh, if you own your thing, you are going to be a rock star. Um, and so I think a lot of times, like you said, um, as entrepreneurs, um, we have to embrace that and we have to kind of identify that. And, uh, your point to the market, don't take it personal. It's not, it's not anything against you. The market is brutal. It will definitely tell you the absolute (laughs) truth. So all all really, really good things. I'm, I'm excited to type up the show notes because I think there's going to be a lot of good actionable content and, um, and concepts that uh, folks can grab onto and improve their businesses and really improve their lives. So thanks again, Eric. And to you guys who are listening, thank you so much for your support. I absolutely adore you. You guys are awesome. So we'll talk to you next week and don't forget to uh, go to the website enterprise-now.biz and we have a 3 P's of empowerment that's going to help you kind of along the lines of what we're talking about today. It'll help you identify your passion, it'll help you identify your purpose and it'll help you identify your path. Um, but you have to have that sweet spot. I call it the the awesome zone where all those th- three things mix um, and they meet and they're maximized. So we want you to to operate in your absolute maximum awesomeness. So thank you guys again, and we'll talk to you next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net.